Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a Tuesday, January 9th, great to be with you on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network every day. We have uh, a lot of news going on this morning. I did want to let you know that tomorrow... We are going to be hearing from both Joan Lewis, of course, for our Rome segment, Joan's Rome, but then also Dr. Matthew Bunsen will be back with us. He's been following closely this story, the latest story, and you'll find it both on the register and also on Catholic News Agency. We'll also have it as a news item this morning in our newscast regarding the controversy, additional controversy surrounding Cardinal Fernandez. He was the one who authored the recent blessing documents, and there are several news stories about an online version of a very scandalous and uh, sexually explicit book that he wrote back in the 90s that has been now re-released online. It's the second book that was very similar. He said they actually canceled this book and didn't want it distributed, but it's out there now, and the church is um, is responding to this in terms of the church, in terms of the body of Christ, raising some questions and raising some concerns. So we've got, obviously, our team in Rome Looking at this, including Joan and our other journalists, and then Matthew Bunsen, our vice president and editorial director, is all over the story. And we'll have an update uh, tomorrow. And, of course, uh, stay tuned to all of our outlets, uh, Ray Arroyo Show Thursdays, EWTN News In-Depth, and, of course, EWTN News Nightly. Coming up on the program this morning, we have Bethany Miola, co-author of Life-Giving Words, a beautiful new book from Ignatius Press. She joins us about growing from suffering. I think it's something that we can all relate to. How do we learn when we go through difficult times? Bethany joins us. And then we wrap up. I'm so excited to have Eva Montaigne back with us. She's a co-chair and co-founder of Walk for Life West Coast. And it's coming up so quickly. It seems like we had Christmas, Epiphany, New Year Epiphany, and now moving very quickly into all the different pro-life activities that are coming up this month. E.W. Chen will be all over them, both in D.C. and on the West Coast, and beautiful events. And if you're watching E.W. Chen television, you see some of the beautiful spots or commercials, as we say, that they've already done regarding the upcoming events for both the March for Life in D.C. and then the Walk for Life West Coast. But Eva fills us in on the San Francisco event, which is coming up a week from this Saturday. It's just hard to believe that it's already here. It just goes by so, so quickly. Or maybe it's just because I'm getting older. Okay, another big story that we're following is the weather. There are all kinds of problems across the country with really some very nasty weather. We have a few reports on how the states out east, including New York and New Jersey, are preparing. But you should know that according to the National Weather Service, a powerful winter storm is advancing across the U.S. this week. Blizzard conditions for the Midwest, strong to damaging winds. Severe thunderstorms and heavy rainfall for the southeast to the northeast are expected today. And then another winter storm producing blizzard conditions across the Cascades into tomorrow. And then heavy rain and flooding even uh, in the Hawaii area, which obviously probably isn't connected being how far away that is. But lots of storms in many regions of the U.S. So just wanted to keep you informed on that. And, of course, we will have the latest in the news coming up right now. Three minutes past the hour. Let's check out and see what's happening in and around the world on a Tuesday morning. Pope Francis is calling, you may have heard, for a global ban on surrogacy, as Lisa Taylor explains. In prepared remarks Monday, the leader of the Catholic Church described the practice of surrogate motherhood as deplorable. He said a child should not be turned into an object of trafficking and that he considers the practice a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child. Francis added that children shouldn't be the basis of a commercial contract. In 2022, Francis said surrogacy exploits women, especially poor women, and that children are treated as commodities. Cardinal Victor Emmanuel Fernandez will have much more on this story tomorrow. One of the most powerful men in the Vatican responding to criticism about a book he wrote, a sexually themed book, back in the 90s. As Catholic News Agency reports, Fernandez telling the crux that he certainly would not write that book now. He serves as a prefect of the Dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith and said he had written the book when he was younger. The Cardinal noted that he canceled the sexually themed book shortly after its publication and never allowed it to be reprinted. As Catholic News Agency explains, it's not the first time Fernandez has faced scrutiny for sexually explicit material. Last year, his earlier 1995 book resurfaced, which also contained erotic themes. He defended that book, saying at the time it was a pastor's catechesis for teens and not a book on theology. 
in mid-December 2023 to the Castro for Doctrine of the Faith, which is led by Fernandez, published a declaration that permits priests to impart spontaneous pastoral blessings for same-sex couples and to other couples in irregular situations. However, it does not allow liturgical blessings, recognition of civil unions, or any actions that would make the blessings appear like a marriage. An Indiana court on Monday dismissing a pro-abortion Notre Dame professor's defamation lawsuit against campus student journalists after they reported on her activism, which did include offering to help students obtain abortions. The National Review reports this morning that Tamara Kay, a sociology and global affairs professor claiming the Irish Rover, Rover, Rover excuse me, the school's independent conservative student newspaper, published two articles containing defamatory and false statements. That case was dismissed under the state's laws, which aim to prevent frivolous lawsuits. St. Joseph County, Indiana Superior Court Judge Stephen David found that the alleged defamatory statements were true within the meaning of the law, not made with actual malice, did not contain a defamatory inference, and concluded the statements were made in the effort of a defendant's right to free speech in connection with the public issue, that they were made with good faith, and with a reasonable basis in law and fact. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin facing growing criticism over his secretive hospital stay. The Pentagon on Friday announcing Austin admitted to Walter Reed on January 1st for complications following a recent elective medical procedure. But senior defense officials and even the White House were not made aware Austin was hospitalized until several days after he was admitted. Austin, who is sixth in line of presidential succession, saying in a statement he could have done a better job ensuring the public that he was appropriately informed. It remains unclear why he was admitted to the hospital, but officials say he's recovering and has resumed his duties. Meanwhile, President Biden insisting he has complete confidence in the defense secretary, but an effort to impeach him is apparently now underway. And during a Fox News town hall, GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley says there are so many things wrong with this picture. I think Biden should be fired. This is unbelievable that we have a situation like this. First, I have a problem with the fact that Biden is not talking to his secretary of defense every single day anyway. Secondly, is there not enough connection that he didn't even know he was put in the hospital in intensive care at that? Republican Congressman Matt Rosendahl, meanwhile, of Montana, planning to introduce one or more articles of impeachment for high crimes and misdemeanors against the secretary. And that will happen today. The congressman claiming that knowingly putting the American people in danger and compromising our national security is not acceptable. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meeting with Israeli officials today in Tel Aviv, part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israeli-Hamas war from spreading further in the region. It's Blinken's fourth trip to the Middle East since the Palestinian terrorist group carried out a wave of deadly attacks inside Israel on October 7th. We mentioned this just a few minutes ago at the top of the hour with the weather forecast, but there's a strong winter storm system bringing dangerous weather to much of the U.S. It dumped snow across the plains and into the Midwest yesterday. Today the storm heads to the east coast where it will bring strong winds to the mid-Atlantic and the northeast and possible gusts of 50 to 70 miles an hour. So obviously they're expecting power outages and more. At least two inches of rain could fall. From Florida to Maine with more than 85 million people under flood watches. Lisa G. tells us the governor in New York is warning residents there about the dangerous rain and windstorm heading into their area. The governor said flash flooding will be the biggest concern with as much as four inches of rain expected on top of snow that will be melting. This will be an emergency. It will be serious. And we're urging all New Yorkers to exercise extreme caution at this time. Hochul is urging residents to stay off the roads, adding that the vast majority of deaths and extreme flooding events come from people stuck in their cars. She adds that now is the time to prepare for the storm. And New Jersey's Governor Phil Murphy saying a state of emergency will go into effect at 5 p.m. local time today. This ahead of that heavy rain forecast, which is going to occur into tomorrow. Speaking at a press conference yesterday in Trenton, Murphy urging residents not to underestimate the storm because of a lack of snow. We've seen with Ida and other storms that a lot of rain, high winds and flooding can cause not just a lot of damage, but put lives at risk. Murphy saying one to four inches of heavy rain expected between 10 this morning and tomorrow morning, along with heavy wind gusts and potential coastal flooding. He says more rain as soon as Friday 
is adding to flooding concerns, adding that residents near the Passaic and other rivers in that area are especially at risk. He's urging folks to stay off the roads if possible, report outages, and to stay away from those downed wires. The head of Homeland Security is back on the Texas border. Alejandro Mayorkas calling on Congress to act at a time when illegal immigration, he admits, is now surging. We need more asylum officers and immigration judges so that we can resolve asylum claims quickly. There were more than 300,000 arrests of illegal immigrants in December alone. That was a record. Today's visit to Eagle Pass comes just two days before the House Homeland Security Committee does plan to hold a hearing about his potential impeachment. And also, Westchester County Executive George Latimer is now speaking out about that troubling anti-Semitic remarks made in a high school girls basketball game. This happened in Yonkers last week. He says the city, county, and state officials are all involved in an investigation. We've been very clear as a county government that we we do not tolerate hatred under any circumstances. We do not tolerate anti-Semitism or racism, anti-Hispanic, anti-Asian, anti-LGBTQ community. Lanimer says players at Roosevelt High in Yonkers apparently using anti-Jewish chants in an effort to intimidate players from the LaFell School, a private Jewish school based in Hartsdale. He adds that fans may have been involved as well. Security had to step in and the game ended early. The basketball coach at Roosevelt has been fired and a player is also off the team. Lanimer is inviting Section 1 leaders, coaches and players to take part in an educational roundtable in order to facilitate open dialogue, promote understanding, and provide education on how folks can engage with fellow players with respect and dignity. Scott Pringle tells us scores of pro-Palestinian protesters are now under arrest after causing major problems in New York City yesterday. Protesters halted traffic as they gathered at the entrances to the Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Williamsburg bridges, as well as the Holland Tunnel. Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis of Staten Island is calling on Mayor Adams and the NYPD to take more forceful action against the protesters. Mayor Adams did acknowledge that arrests were made. The right to protest does not give one the right to block bridges and tunnels, as we saw this morning. Now, since the October Hamas attack on Israel, there's been numerous incidents where pro-Palestinian demonstrators have caused disruptions in the city. The Fort Worth, Texas Fire Department investigating the cause of an explosion at a downtown hotel yesterday. Officials believe the blast came from a sushi restaurant inside the Sandman Signature Fort Worth Hotel. There are reports of a strong smell of gas that was in the area before the explosion blew a large hole in the lower part of the building. Some 21 people were hurt, over a dozen of those folks hospitalized. United Airlines saying yesterday it found loose bolts during inspections of its 737 MAX 9 fleet. Those inspections coming after a door plug was blown out of an Alaska Airlines plane over the weekend. United says that these findings will be remedied by their tech ops team to safely return that aircraft to service. Finally, in our new segment at about 14 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection Coast to Coast and around the globe on EWTN. Those major holiday credit bills soon be hitting mailboxes near you. That's inspiring some to go on a financial diet, which experts say can be a little tricky. Well, just remember the same amount of money buys less than it did just months ago. Uh, so paychecks don't go as far. That's Jason Meza with the Better Business Bureau who says now is a good time to take a look at all your subscriptions, cancel the ones that you don't use as much, and for the rest, he says, see if there is a better rate. He also says be wary of any debt consolidation company that makes all kinds of wild promises. It is a Tuesday morning. Appreciate your listenership here at EWTM. And we come back, a beautiful new book about growing through our wounds. We'll find out all about it in about two minutes. Stay tuned. Back by popular demand is our trip through Portugal, Spain, and France. We start with a day in Fatima, following all the steps of the little shepherds. Santiago de Compostela, the ending point for the El Camino, is the home of the largest incenser, visit the tomb of St. James the Apostle. Three days in Lourdes, which is quite indescribable, you'll have to come and see it to believe it. To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at AveMariaRadio.net. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. Just like cars run on gas, families run on time. Here's a simple way you can discover how much time your family needs so it can stop running out of gas. Think of a regular week, not a vacation week, just a normal week, when your family got along even a little better than usual. Ask yourself, how much time did we spend together that week? What things did we do together that we don't normally do? 
Your answers will give you an idea of the minimum amount of time your family needs every week to function well. Make sure to schedule that first. Learning to put family time first is one of the most important practices Catholic families can have. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. On the next Epiphany. Keep the Sabbath holy, Vanessa Denhagarmo here, and we all know this is one of the Ten Commandments. If you and your family are struggling with keeping Sunday focused on the Lord, then you should listen to Nicole Joyce. She'll invite you to join 52 Sundays, and Teresa Tamio will talk about March for Life. Epiphany, weekdays at noon. And be sure to catch past episodes in our archive at AveMariaRadio.net. Sixteen minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning, January 9th, 2024. Thanks for listening to EWTN, this program, Catholic Connection. If you're a new listener, welcome on board. It's co-produced by EWTN out of Irondale, Alabama, and Ave Maria Radio out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Beautiful new book, hot off the presses from our friends at Ignatius Press, Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce and Separation. It's co-authored by Dr. Daniel Miola and Bethany Daniel's under the weather like many of us have been or are right now with all these different things going around. Hopefully he'll heal very quickly. But Bethany joins us. Just a little background about the book and some interesting numbers. Over half of the people in the U.S. experiencing the splitting up of their parents, the statistics say, yet no matter how quote-unquote normal divorce becomes, it always inflicts a profound wound on families, not just the parents, but the children, whether young or grown. The children of divorce are fractured on the level of their very being, heart, mind, and soul, if left unattended, this break could pain them for the rest of their lives, impacting relationships, their relationship with God and with each other here on earth, and of course their capacity for joy. A very important book. Bethany, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Teresa. Glad to be with you. All right, so tell us about the the birth of this book in terms of how you, you and your husband decided this needed to be put out there, first of all. Sure. So we founded a ministry called Life Giving Wounds, um, partly because that is my husband's background. He is an adult child of divorce, so he's one of those millions of people out there who experience the split of their parents. Uh, for him, that happened when he was a kid, and then it was finalized, the divorce was finalized the year that we got married, and then it became, you know, something that we deal with as a couple. Um, and we really saw a need in church for talking to the particular challenges that, it, that adult children of divorce face. Uh, we know there are very worthwhile and needed ministries for parents who go through divorce themselves. Uh, we didn't see anything for the children. So we founded Life-Giving Wounds. Um, we do retreats, support groups. We have a lot of online resources. And then we found it on our hearts that we want to put something out there that someone can, put, can pick up, um, can pull off their bookshelf and read and, you know, see their experiences in there and find the support and encouragement that our Lord has to offer for anyone who's, ex- who's gone through that really painful experience. Uh, yeah, it's, book, it just came out. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to, when you see the title, you think life-giving wounds, and you say, well, how can wounds be life-giving? But actually, the suffering we go through, if we give it to God, not only can we use it to help other people, as, as you and your husband are doing, but it's a growth situation for us if we allow it to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we take very seriously the Christian doctrine of redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, that informs a lot of what we do in our ministry, and it informs the book, you know, throughout the entire book. Um, so, yeah, we really reflect deeply on how going into those really dark and scary and hurtful places in our lives, even though it's really hard to do, Jesus meets us there, and he's not going to leave us there. He helps us grieve. We can grieve with him, um, acknowledge the pain, but then he helps transform that. And we see that after the resurrection when he appears to his apostles with his wounds. Mm-hmm. But his wounds have been transformed. They're now a witness to greater faith, hope, and joy. So we, we the, want that for everyone. How did the divorce affect not only your husband, but also your marriage? You, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, as, as anyone who gets married knows, you're joining two families. Mm-hmm. So when we got married, we, we took on a lot of the, you know, both the good and the bad of both of our families. Um, we had to navigate, you know, Dan's, Dan's family is still split up. You know, divorce is a lifelong wound. 
so we have to deal with that every time that we travel to see his family, you know, milestones, our kids' births and baptisms, um, all of those moments we, we take on as a couple to navigate those feelings that come up, um, the difficulties. We know that's something that adult children of divorce have to face throughout, throughout their lives. Um, so it's, it's not something that, that is going to go away, but it's something that we want to deal with with greater uh, peace and love um, as, as a couple. We're talking with Bethany Miola. She's a co-author of a book with her husband, Dr. Daniel Miola, Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce and Separation, published by our friends at Ignatius Press. What damage do you think that society has done in, in making it seem like, oh, abortion, or excuse me, not abortion, but abortion too, but in this case, divorce, uh, is normal, as your uh, overview of the book says. Oh, you know, lots of people get divorced, kids will get over it, no big deal. Yes. Um, well, one thing is it feeds into what we call a wound of silence. So a lot of adult children of divorce, they may feel like they can't talk about their pain. They may have received a lot of divorce happy talk. Um, you know, this was for the best. Like, isn't this great? Now you have two Christmases. You have two families. Um, all of these messages that a lot of a lot of children can receive and adults uh, that it, it was okay. It wasn't that bad. Uh, that can make it really hard to be able to talk about their pain and even to find people that can receive that wound. Um, so I think the fact that over half of adults in America today have experienced this difficulty, it makes it really hard to conceptualize that that's a lot of people that are hurting. That's a lot of people that have been wounded. It can be kind of easy to turn a blind eye like, oh, that, that can't possibly you know, be as bad. Um, I think what we're, one thing we're trying to do is to raise awareness that, yes, there are a lot of, a lot of folks walking around wounded um, in, in need of Jesus' love and healing for those broken places in their hearts. Does it matter if the divorce happens when children are younger or older when they're in college, maybe a little bit more settled? What's the difference in terms of the impact of divorce, or doesn't it matter? You know, it, it, it's always difficult. We see people in our ministry, everything from they never knew their parents together to their parents divorced when, you know, the children were already grown. Um, it's always difficult. Uh, there's no point in time when you don't desire your parents to be together and to have their union be a stable one. Um, those who have experienced what's called gray divorce, whose parents divorce later in life, sometimes they're given the message, you know, oh, this should not be a big deal. You're out of the house. You have your own family. Um, it's still really hard. It's hard to see your parents split up at any point. And it also just raises a lot of really practical complications as your parents get older and they don't have each other to, to support each other. Um, and all the things that children of divorce have to deal with, um, it, it doesn't matter. There's differences, but it's still, it's still a common pain and a common wound. In terms of, of the book, how do you go through this? I know the book is hot off the presses, but, but kind of walk us through before we take a break, and then we'll, we'll pick it up after the break. We're talking with Bethany Miola, who co-authored a beautiful book with her husband, Dr. Daniel Miola, and the cover is stunning, too, Christ with His Wounds After the Resurrection. Life-Giving Wounds is the title of the book, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce and Separation. So do you share your story, your husband's story, in the beginning of the book? Yeah, we kind of we weave our stories in throughout, um, especially Dan's story as an adult child of divorce. Um, in the book, we break down a number of wounds that a lot of adult children of divorce experience. The wound to silence, the wound to faith, wound to relationships, to identity. Um, and after each of those chapters where we're looking at, here's the hard thing that you may have experienced if your parents split up. Then we look at ways that Jesus can come into that wound and help make it life-giving. Where does Jesus and our church and our faith give us that strength and support, that truth that we need to grow in faith, hope, and love through these wounds? Um, and we conclude the book with a really deep dive into redemptive suffering. What does it mean to suffer well? What resources does our faith give us when we're facing these really difficult challenges that may never be fixed in this life? What if there's a case, and this is a question, and we could pick it up. We have about a minute left, uh, so if you hear the music, uh, musical chairs will have to <laughs> stop and sit down. But what about the cases where you have really abusive relationships? And, and the church does not expect people to stay in those, especially if we're talking about physical and emotional abuse, if there's no chance of, of the other partner willing to get a healing and, and that kind of a situation. That can, I mean, be pretty daunting. You can't stay in that situation, but at the same time, you hate to see the marriage end. But there are some cases where... That may be the only option. Is there a difference in terms of the hurt on the part of the children in those situations, or is it worse, less? What do you think? Yes, as you said, I mean, church is very clear in canon law and the catechism that if it's a situation where there's physical danger, where there's serious harm, 
spouses are not expected to stay in really dangerous situations, and separation is licit in those situations. Civil divorce could also be licit if that's needed. The catechism is really clear about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what we try to do is emphasize that for those cases, there's, there's two major wounds happening. There's that the trauma of going right, through a, a, mm-hmm. a dangerous, violent yeah. family, and then there's also the trauma of seeing your parents not being able to figure it out. Um, so we really lean into that and say it's not one's worse or one's better. They're both difficult. Yeah, absolutely. More with Bethany Miola on the book Life-Giving Wounds of Ignatius Press, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce or Separation. We'll also give you their website. They do this ministry on a regular basis. If you want to bring them to your parish or diocese, sounds like a great topic, a very important one for a retreat or a presentation. We'll be right back. Eight minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning, a new book from Ignatius Press. Our guest is Bethany Miola, co-wrote the book with her husband, Dr. Daniel Miola. The title, Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce and Separation. We were chatting during the break, and there was a new book that came out, I think it was very recently, in the last couple of months, about the fact that there's so much evidence, that I know you have some of this research in your own book, for a two-parent household, mother and father, and the impact that has when there isn't that relationship present for children. It's interesting, isn't it, in such a secularized, over-sexualized culture that the secular research shows exactly what the natural law and church teaching supports. Don't you think so? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty hard to avoid the um, just seeing the, the impact that when a person does not have their mom and dad together in the home, um, you know, for their whole lives, uh, yeah, there's serious impacts. There's emotional impacts, financial impacts. Um, you know, there people are the the children are more likely to get into risky behavior. I mean, you could just go down the list. That research definitely emphasizes the advantages that children have when their mom and dad can stay together for their whole lives. Mm. So, tell us about your workshops, and you have a workbook that you're working on as well. Correct. Yes, yeah, so we um, there's a workbook that goes along with the book um, because we want to we want this book to be something that people can pick up and really get a lot out of for wherever they are on their own healing journey. Um, so if you go to our website lifegivingwounds.org, you can also get the workbook um, that kind of breaks down the chapters, gives a lot of reflection questions, exercises. Uh, we're going to be piloting that in small groups and support groups uh, coming in 2024. So is this something that they can do on their own, or, or do you and your husband lead them, or is it a combination of both? Uh, it could be either. The book and workbook is really intended to be um, used by individuals. You know, sometimes people are more comfortable with that. Maybe they're just starting to look at these uh, situations in their own life, want to sit down in their own privacy of their home, or maybe go to adoration and work through the book. Um, but we're also going to be doing small groups. We've seen so much benefit from bringing people together who are adult children of divorce, being able to meet, to talk, to share, to support each other. Um, so we'll continue doing that. We have a full schedule of retreats through 2024, and then we'll be adding support groups um, throughout that time as well. Okay, so how do people find you if they want you to do a retreat in their location? Just come to our website, lifegivingwounds.org. It's easy to get in contact with us personally, myself and Dan personally, through the website. Um, and you can also see the full schedule. Um, we're coast to coast uh, starting uh, this weekend. <laughs> we'll be in Kansas City and then have a full schedule of retreats um, really into the fall of 2024 already. So there still is a huge need for this, obviously. How do you think the church is doing in terms of parishes, diocesan levels? How do you think we're doing in approaching this topic? So we have seen a tremendous growth and openness to talking about healing as a topic, to talking about the woundedness that needs to be healed, you know, the people in our parishes. We're seeing a lot of beautiful openness to that. Um, We're getting a lot of interest in what we're doing, which I think is a beautiful sign. Um, We've had no problem scheduling our retreats and working with dioceses. Uh, There's certainly room to grow, I mean, just given the sheer number of people uh, that need the support and this help. Um, the harvest is plentiful, but there are more and more people stepping up and saying, yes, I want to address this, and I want to be part of the solution. So is this something, is this a lifelong process, do you, say, do you think, Bethany? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like I said before, divorce is a lifelong wound. Um, you know, it's something that a, an adult child of divorce is going to deal with in various ways throughout their lifespan. Um, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a lifelong, you know, terrible thing. Um, we've seen so many beautiful instances of people through God's grace 
being able to face those challenges with uh, just a greater depth of peace, with joy, um, with having better healthy boundaries, with so many ways that even if the wound remains, um, our hearts can grow bigger and the Lord can give us the strength that we need to face it in um, in a better way. What keeps you going? Because this is this is hard work. This is draining. This is not a, a pleasant topic. It's a needed topic. But what keeps you and your husband going and your family? Because I'm sure you hear a lot of really sad stories. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's impossible to describe kind of the yeah the sadness that comes from hearing what people have gone through. It's very eye opening. Um, it's very sad. Uh, what keeps us going? I mean, the grace of God, first of all, praise God, the Holy Spirit. Um, but yeah, you know, when we meet people who are who are engaged and saying, "Lord, I want this healing for these places in my heart that are wounded," um, it is incredibly inspirational to see the courage of people who have been given a, a really, um, you know, have been dealt a really poor hand in life in a lot of ways, and are willing to say, "Lord, I am ready to take that step forward toward healing." Um, that's very inspirational, and we can just, I mean, <laughs> there's so many beautiful stories that have come out of the work that we're doing um, for people that have just felt the courage to say yes to relationships where there was a tremendous fear before, um, people who have been able to pursue forgiveness, understand more, like, what is the Christian meaning of forgiveness, um, and just finding greater peace in their lives. Um, it's been amazing to see. So we're, it's a privilege to do this work that we're doing. Mm, and important, such an important opportunity to, to offer this to people. Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce and Separation, talking with the co-author, Bethany Miola, who wrote this with her husband, Dr. Daniel Miola. So in terms of the relationships with the parents who are divorced and the children of divorce, do these retreats and, and the book, it's, it's designed to really help that relationship as well, because there has to be, I'm sure, along with the pain, a lot of tension still in some cases. Yeah, I mean, we certainly uh, we talk a lot about, you know, what is forgiveness? Where are you in that in that process? Um, we kind of distinguish a lot between forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, not every parent, divorced parent, is really going to be ready to have um, the kind of relationship that a child might desire. Um, so we t- we do talk a lot about, you know, what does that look like when your parent is not able to give you the love that you're you're really desiring? Um, and we do talk about boundaries. There's a real, you know, there's solid sense of healthy boundaries that are important. Um, that doesn't mean not loving your parents. You know, you can have boundaries while loving someone. Um, so those are certainly topics that are, are on a lot of people's hearts because children love their parents. They want to love them. They want to honor them. But that gets really difficult in situations where parents may not have, you know, lived up to their calling as a parent or have done really hurtful things. So we absolutely yeah. talk about that. Yeah, that was an, an, another question, too, not not to be a Debbie Downer, but are, are parents open when they hear their children go into these types of retreats to talk about this? Uh, it, it really depends. You know, I, I was just talking with somebody who was able to sit down with his mom and say, hey, I went on this retreat. These are some things that I that I learned, and the mom was in a place where she was really open to receive that. Um, other people may not feel comfortable, you know, yet telling their parents that they're pursuing this. Um, you know, and, and everything in between. It, it depends a lot on right. you know, what was what was the parents' involvement in the divorce. You know, did they even want it? There's plenty of divorced people out there who were also victims. Right, and they didn't want to get divorced necessarily exactly. either, right? Yeah, yeah so that's mm-hmm. a very different scenario, and those parents tend to be very supportive of their children seeking healing because they, they didn't want this for their children. Um, there's, you know, any number of scenarios depending on wh- what that relationship is and the parent's openness to this type of conversation. Any chance that maybe in the future we'll be doing one for both the, the parents and the children together, regardless of their age? Is that a possibility, you think, or something you're thinking about? That's not something that we envision at this point. Um, okay. One of our goals is creating a space where the the children of divorce can have complete openness and freedom, openness. to okay, be, got it. be honest. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's not the work that we're doing. That's absolutely crucial work to help those who have gone through a divorce themselves. Uh, but our niche, our focus is for the children and everything that they've gone through. What are the youngest and the, what are the age I mean, guideline or does it matter? Uh, it's eight, 18 up. So we, 18 we up. Um, okay. help the, the adults. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Great book and what a great service you're providing. Bethany Miola and Dr. Daniel Miola wrote this book, Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce or Separation. We'll be right back. I'm going over to the West Coast and talk about the West Coast Walk for Life on a Tuesday morning. Stay tuned.
big anniversary coming up for our friends at the Walk for Life West Coast. The website, walkforlifewc.com. Again, walkforlifewc.com. On the phone, my friend Eva, Eva Montaigne from Ignatius Press, and also the co-chair and co-founder of Walk for Life West Coast. Eva, I can't believe you're celebrating a big anniversary this year. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. But, yes, it's 20 years. I can't believe it myself. It just seems like just yesterday that we started it, but here we are 20 years later and wishing very much that we didn't have to keep doing this. <laughs> so in terms of, of the intensity of this, I mean, you are right there in, in San Francisco, which isn't exactly outside of, obviously, the great ministry of Cardinal of, of um, Archbishop Cordelioni, who's amazing. But there's so much tension, and, and you're right there in the belly of the beast, so to speak. How has this impacted the march, the West Coast Walk for Life? Well, I mean, from year one, when uh, at the time it was Gavin Newsom was our mayor and Kamala Harris uh, was also here, both of them came out very strongly against us. In fact, they led a rally against us and a walk march against us. Uh, ever since then, they've still been against us the whole way, but they can't really do much since we are protected under the First Amendment. So, and but I have to say, as, as much as the city has been against us, I want to make clear that the San Francisco Police Department has been marvelous. They have been with us from year one and and protecting us, and they're going to be with us again this year. And we've had many meetings with them, and and I just want to make sure that's clear that the the, the police are great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's that's so so important. But you haven't had any problems. I mean, you've been what I love about being at the mar- different marches is that our people are very, very peaceful. They clean up after themselves. Of course, that never gets reported. They don't tear anything down. Everything is extremely orderly. What type of pushback on the streets have you gotten? You mentioned the rally that was years ago with, with Kamala Harris and, and Gavin Newsom, but there also were some some various protests, but that's pretty much died down now, hasn't it? I think it's, um, of course, every single year, but certainly nothing like at the beginning. I think at the beginning it was so bad that um, they realized how bad they looked, mm-hmm. and they realized that you could see clearly the good versus evil um, when they came out against us so strong. So while we still get the crazies and we still get the fringe, um, it's nothing like it has been in the beginning. I think the uh, the thing that motivates us is obviously number one is the fact that it, it motivates the people who attend but it also shows the people of san francisco that we're here that we mm-hmm. exist that the pro-life mm-hmm. movement is here and strong and and we're i think the second largest event in the city in terms of you know uh public uh march or walk so i don't know i think i think we do a lot of good uh, a lot of people get mad at us because we the traffic's snarling you know and we're walking but um, but, you know, once a year, they know we're coming, and, and we're here to stay. Amen. Talking with Ava Montaigne, co-chair and co-founder of the Walk for Life West Coast, and, of course, we'll be there. EWTM will be covering it. I'll be in D.C. the day after the crew goes over to the West Coast. They work so hard to make sure that we bring you these events live. So let's talk about the schedule. I know everyone can go to the website, walkforlifewc.com, but what do we have to look forward to in terms of the theme, the speaker, and all that good stuff, Eva? Sure. Um, yes, the scheduling is going to be the same as the last few years, and we're going to start at 12:30 at Civic Center Plaza. Um, of course, we'll have the 9:30 a.m. mass for the Catholics who would like to attend that. Um, 11 o'clock starts the info fair. We always have a big tent that um, features a lot of organizations in the area who support life. And then 12:30 starts our rally, and our speakers this year are Lila Rose from Live Action. Everybody knows about her. Um, Kaya Jones, she's a founding member of the Pussycat Dolls, uh, the singing oh, group. Oh, yeah, I've heard about her story. Yeah, she's had three abortions, and she's had a major life conversion, and she's got a powerful story, so she's going to be joining us. And then we have Kim Hankel. She's uh, going to be talking about fostering and adoption and her story and her adoption story. And then we, of course, have Reverend Childress, who's He's been amazing. with us almost mm-hmm. every year. He kind of riles the, the uh, crowds right before we start walking, so he's wonderful. So those are our speakers, and then we start walking at 1.30. We walk down through the middle of the city on Market Street, all the way down to the ocean, <laughs> uh, to the uh, ocean front there at the ferry building, and that's where we end, and we invite everyone to join us and 
just be here in this beautiful city uh, and show your life support. This has become not only a, a, a pro-life event for San Francisco, but that part of the country. Where do you find that, that the attendees are coming from, Eva? Um, well, ma- mainly from the Northern California area, but we do have buses coming in from Arizona, Oregon, and uh, several from Nevada. So we are, like our name says, Walk for Life West Coast. So we, plus, you know, occasionally, I mean, we've, I've even heard of people coming all the way from Florida. Wow. So we've even had a bus come from Colorado. Um, I'm not sure if they're coming this year, but I know that they've come regularly. So we do, you know, we, we, Anybody can come and join us who would like to come and support life here on the West Coast. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I think these events are so, so encouraging. And it's needed for all of us in the pro-life movement to know that there are, that we're not crazy. We don't have three heads and there are other people who agree with us, right? Exactly. No, we don't have three heads. We don't even have two heads. <laughs> we're a single-headed group here. <laughs> That's funny. The website is walkforlifewc.com. Again, Walk for Life West Coast is the name of the event, walkforlifewc.com. Great event, great speakers. 20 years. So, so how did you decide this was something that was needed for your area? Because you were involved in this in the very beginning. Years ago, well, originally we started with a marriage rally because Gavin Newsom, our mayor, allowed against the law at that time for same-sex marriages. And within three weeks, we were able to garner 1,500 people to walk through San Francisco uh, to protect the marriage. And we were so uh, enthused about the outcome of that. And we had both, both Dolores and I, had been to the walk, uh, the March for Life, in D.C. And we both thought that was just such a magnificent event. But the West Coast, that's kind of a long way to go. A lot of people from here can't really make it out, you know, to the other side of the, the country. So we thought, well, why don't we start a sister event to the march where we, we do it on a Saturday since they do it during the week. Uh, and we'll do abortion hurts women because that's very um, prevalent here in the West Coast in the San Francisco area. You know, lots and lots of abortions. So... We thought, why don't we do that? And we, so that's what we did. We started it 20 years ago, and from the very beginning, it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite stories is going to a conference and giving a talk about the walk, and then um, some stu- students were asked to say what they thought about the walk, and high school students got up and said how much it moved them and how they went back to their schools and started pro-life clubs, uh, started uh, writing pro-life essays for school, and those are the kinds of reasons that we keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, it's so encouraging again. And what I love is it's so diverse, right, the crowd that comes? Oh, yes, definitely. We have, you know, <laughs> we've had lots of Jewish groups, and we've, we've, even been, we've even had Gays for Life that come. It's amazing the diversity. I saw Atheists for Life one year when I was covering the March at EW10 in Washington, Atheists for Life. Yeah, we had secular pro-life. So, we, yeah, we've had all kinds of um, groups here. So definitely, definitely a diverse group of people that come. And we invite everybody who's pro-life. We, right. we, we are open arms about the fact that you want to protect the life of the unborn. How important is it to have, because you have an amazing archbishop, Archbishop Cordleone. How important is it for his leadership? I love the website with pictures of him walking alongside some of the students and holding the rosary and, and praying along with everybody in the march. That's got to be so encouraging as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was coming even when he was down in San Diego. He would come up for the Walk for Life. So he's been with us for many, many, many years, and we are so grateful to have him. Like I mentioned earlier, we always have a Walk for Life Mass at the cathedral that he celebrates, inviting all the priests and bishops in the area to come and join him. And and he always walks with us. And so, yes, he's 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 been amazing help. They help promote it. They they he always writes letters for us to send out to priests and even individuals. We make those available on our website. So, yes, we're we're very very fortunate to have him. Okay, so I have to toot our own horn a little bit, but how important is the coverage that we give you every year at EW10? Because the, those, that crew, and you know this, Eva, because you've been through this yes. with them so many times, they cover the March for Life, and they turn around, and then they have to go to the West Coast, and there's a whole time difference and everything else, but they do that all over again for another day. It's amazing, and, and I have to say, from year one, EW10 has been with us, and 
I think only the COVID year did the, did the crew not come out. So we are so blessed to have EWTN help us out and come and, and broadcast and get the message out to anyone who watches. So, oh, my goodness, I, I don't think we could do it without EWTN. Yeah, it, it is amazing, and I always say this because having a, a media background, I know what it takes to put these kinds of things on. It's no easy task. So any idea, I know it's about a, just over a week away, but uh, any idea what the weather is going to be like? Because on the East Coast, we're hoping that all this stuff clears out now. We've got all these storms going on on the East Coast, and I know it's probably way too early because the weather can change on a dime, but, but what are you looking at normally this time of year for San Francisco? Well, I guess that's the beauty of this event is that it's in San Francisco, and usually we have beautiful weather. I think we've only had a little bit of rain one year. Uh, other than that, we've had sunshine and we've had, it's amazing because we have had very cold, but we've also had very warm. So it really just depends on the year. But we've never, like I said, only one year for a very short time did we have rain. So we're looking at clear skies and, and beautiful weather. So Come and join us. We invite you to come. One of these years, you should come out and come visit us. I should. It's just it's, it's difficult to do both, to cover both the March for Life in D.C. and turn yeah. around and do a whole other live eight, eight hours of coverage. But, yeah. you know, I, I would love it. But it's funny because your idea of cold, Eva, in Northern California is much different than our idea of cold. <laughs> yeah, <it'll be laughs> what are you like talking 60. about in terms of temperatures, girlfriend? 60. Oh, for crying out loud. That's like balmy. That's Bermuda shorts weather here. <laughs> 60 degrees, I'd be like, oh, hallelujah, oh, please. I know, that's why it's so great to, to do it here. That's part of the reason, and, you know, just, just it's a nice day. People come uh, for the whole weekend, you know, they make a weekend of it, and so they show their support for life and, and participate, and then they can enjoy the beautiful weather and the and actually a beautiful city, even though crazy. Yeah, it is a gorgeous city. It's it is a gorgeous city. Yeah. I mean, so if you I go, like, make a little trip out of it. Go see some things and, you know, go to the cathedral, you know, see if you can do some tours, go to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's just, it is a beautiful city. Oh, yeah, it's just right. funny when you said it's going to yeah. be cold 60 degrees and I'm, like, praying for above <laughs> freezing for next week. <laughs> but you know what? I Our know. crew and all the people who go to the march, whether it's on the West Coast, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in D.C., we're like the post office, right? Like, no rain, no sleet, no hail, especially our crew. I remember one year it was so cold in D.C. that the equipment started to freeze. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my word. Yep. Okay, the well, cameras can only take that. so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, All right, girlfriend. Yeah. Well, listen, great to catch up with you. And any idea? I know it says on your website you need to register numbers-wise. What are you expecting? Um, no need to register. I mean, people just come if you can. We'd love it if you register because then we can keep um, you know a track of who's coming. Uh-huh. But um, but no, I don't know about our numbers. We we have over a hundred buses registered, but awesome. many of them don't register. So we'll see. We're expecting maybe twenty-five to thirty-five thousand. Beautiful. So, so yeah. we'll see. All right. <laughs> Well, God love you. Keep up the great work, both for the uh, Walk for Life West Coast and also, of course, to all of our friends at Ignatius. I just interviewed uh, one of your new authors um, uh, on the book regarding uh, life-giving wounds for children of divorce. Beautiful book. So just came out. Great book. Yeah. All right, my dear. God love you. And we'll probably be talking to you within the next week before the big uh, Walk for Life West Coast. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. Always great to catch up with you. Eva Montaigne, co-chair and co-founder of Walk for Life West Coast. She also works for the wonderful Ignatius Press. The website again, folks, for those of you in that part of the country who maybe want a different experience and to go to San Francisco, walkforlifewc.com. Again, walkforlifewc.com. It's a Tuesday. We'll be right back to let you know what's coming up on a Wednesday. Stay tuned. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is a literally and wholly present body and blood, soul and divinity under the appearances of bread and wine. Feeding 5,000 from a boy's five barley loaves and two fish as recorded in John chapter 6 is quite a miracle. Yet the next day, Jesus downplays it in verse 27. 
Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Likewise, God's provision of manna to the Israelites in the desert was also a great miracle, yet Jesus similarly downplays it in verse 49. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Jesus is clearly stating that his Eucharist is greater than both of these amazing miracles, and the Catholic Church absolutely takes him at his word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is faithforensics.org. This week on Christ is the Answer, Father John wants to tell us who Jesus really is. In the Synoptic Gospels, there's a famous story about Jesus and his disciples going into the district of Caesarea Philippi. After inquiring about what the people were saying about him, Jesus then turns to his followers and asks, But who do you say that I am? Join us this week as Father John helps us look introspectively into our hearts as our Lord still asks the same question to each of us today. Tune in for Christ is the Answer Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Hope you're having a beautiful Tuesday morning on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net, co-producers of this program and many others here on the network. Tomorrow, speaking of the network, we have our Vice President and Editorial Director, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, back with us to take a look at what's happening with Cardinal Fernandez and some of the fallout from a new version or I guess an online version of one of his very controversial, actually scandalous books that he wrote uh, many years ago and what's happening with that in terms of the content. And also, with Matthew being a a Catholic history expert, I think it's super important for us to take a look at at where the church has been over the centuries. This morning in the first hour of my program, I ran this very powerful talk. I found a segment of it by Father Michael Schmitz about what the church does in terms of what God provides in the church when we're going through crazy times. And he took a look at history, and and it was just brilliant. But I picked Matthew's a very fine brain to give us some ideas in terms of how we as a lady can respond to these things and with respect and love to make a difference. And, of course, more from our very own Joan Lewis on a Wednesday. We'll see you then, God willing. A domani. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.